Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this festive episode of the Safety Doc Podcast. So a few things have happened here. Uh, one is my main desktop computer that I use to record these podcasts and then to render them with the uh, special effects intro and, and things like that. That machine has crashed. The uh, tech guy was here looking at it a couple hours, was able to get it up and running to the point where I could harvest uh, files off of it. And um, he is in the process of building a new one which uh, hopefully will be here next week and then will be up and running because I do have the new C920 Logitech camera and also the box is right here for my Blue Yeti microphone um, which is going to be paired up then with my 920 and we should have some phenomenal Safety Doc podcasts coming to you down the road. Uh, with a machine exclusively built for podcasting and rendering video. But for right now, I'm doing it kind of old-fashioned. So I'm going to cobble this one together uh, using my camcorder. Behind me, you can see I have the fire going. So more of a fireside chat kind of going along with our holiday season. And uh, I'm going to, again, do some editing. It won't be as smooth as some of the other videos, but hey, just wait for what's in store here on the safety dock. So um, I'm going to be reading off my notes. Typically, I'd have these up on the screen, but since the computer is completely non-functional at the moment, completely, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this old-fashioned way. Um, I was able to get the notes printed from another laptop that I have upstairs. Snowing outside right now, uh, quite festive, um, so it's nice to come back and, and see the trees and, the, and the, the Christmas lights decorated with a little bit of snow on top and just really nice. So Safety Doc uh, is wearing his, his uh, Santa hat, uh, more of an earthy shirt, jeans. Like I said, we're going kind of grassroots for this podcast. Um, and we're going to take a look at safety from more of an introspective angle today. And I'm not sure this will be the only broadcast will do on this specific aspect of safety, but I want to start out welcoming you. I am your host, Dr. David Proden, and I look forward to sharing the next hour with you. Um, this podcast is brought to you in part by Sprigio, the leader in school safety systems and online reporting. You can find out more about Sprigio on their website, www.sprigio.com. Ask for Joe, say that, hey, you were sent by the safety doc. So if you're watching this, and by chance you're a school administrator or you're a parent, and you have kids attending school, and you're wondering, hey, what do we have for a threat reporting system in our school, a bullying reporting system, just uh, things like that, um, ask those questions. And if you want to find out more, if you want to find out from the nation's leader and a tremendous, uh, tremendous friend, good person, uh, Call up Sprigio or email Sprigio, talk to Joe, have him talk about how he can help make your school a safer place. Um, 
I am also appreciative for the support of ISS 24-7. Proactive operations for the world's greatest properties, including Levi's Stadium, uh, the Staples Center, and many large venues, including shopping centers. Uh, they have state-of-the-art app-based monitoring and instant resolution. I did an interview a few podcasts ago with Scott Myers. You can go back and listen to that. Just amazing how much goes into keeping venues safe and how much of that now is all done through um, web-based, uh, through phones. Just just incredible. So um, ISS has has so many untapped uh, applications, and one is I think it should be in every school system, but kind of my opinion on that, I, I see so many uses for it. It's a wonderful system, ISS 24-7, keeping you safe at large venues. Thank you to, excuse me, a little bit of hiccups here. I'd say I have a frog in my throat, but there's no frog surviving after the minus five high we had last Sunday. Uh, thank you to John and the 405 Media for broadcasting the Safety Doc. Um, we are on five days a week, Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. Pacific, and beginning January 30th. So some big news here for the Safety Doc. Beginning January 30th, we move out of that 9 p.m. slot and move up into 1 p.m. PST. So 1 p.m. Pacific, and that will be Monday through Sunday. So seven days a week, uh, starting on January 30th. We'll be moving into that better time slot. So more of you on the East Coast uh, who like to stream the 405 and listen to it would be able to access uh, because the Safety Doc podcast um, I think misses a few of you who go to bed a little bit early on the East Coast, um, you know, when, when it's being broadcast at 9 p.m. Pacific. So we're looking for a new time and looking to reach a, a bigger audience. So thanks to John and the 405 Media uh, again, I do have a lot of um, interviews lined up for um, the upcoming months. Uh, one interview is going to be actually uh, a man, uh, a man who's who's blind, and he is going to talk about his perspectives of safety from being a blind man, and then also elements of that um, that would carry over uh, in his perspective to to just anybody. But there's there's very interesting, unique stories that he's shared. Another. Um, podcast will feature an interview with a young lady who's made several, several trips to Haiti and actually just left recently to Haiti, flew there on her own um, to meet up with her camera crew. They're doing a documentary um, in Haiti and she's going to talk about uh, personal safety in being in a foreign country and specific um, giving some experiences from Haiti and that's so important when we have so many um, people traveling through school groups or through church groups to foreign countries. Um, and again, more and more uh, with the way that safety is around the world, some of the tips and some of the experiences that she'll share will be priceless. So uh, just the tip of the iceberg and um, working on having a former NFL player uh, come on and talk about his experiences uh, with personal safety of being an NFL player, not for the fact of being at risk or being injured, but um, the, the, once um, he acquired that profile of being an NFL player, def definite personal safety measures that he needed to put into place. So got some great uh, interviews lined up, plus just uh, analysis here from the safety doc. I have um, some research articles I think you're going to find very interesting, and also 
I have to say it, the Atlantic set me up with another article that is just wild. Um, I don't like to to focus too much on one publication, but yeah, this out of the Atlantic, uh, is, we're, we're going to talk about, um, basically talks about a vaccine um, type concept uh, it, it, for, um, I don't know if it was it was for anger or, or, or it, it was for fear, that's what it was for, it was for fear. Could you vaccinate against fear? And of course, the first thing I'm thinking is, why, why would you want to do that? Fear is innate forever. It's there for a reason. Um, but anyway, uh, again, these are articles that hit the mainstream, and then they have these outlandish titles, and people read these things, and, and they start to get perceptions which are so far off base. So, um, some anecdotes. So, if you're... I, I'm actually holding some sheets of, of paper here, uh, but most of you listen to the podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll give right now my my you know plug for please subscribe on Twitter at safetyphd at safetyphd. I am growing in Twitter followers, but the more followers, the better. The more people can learn about um, this podcast and this message. And then also uh, I do have a. An, incredible blog that I maintain. You know, I write all of the original material for it, and you can find that once you get to um, safety. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, you can track down the blog site. It's on WordPress. Um, and then, in a, you know, in addition to that, this is on SoundCloud, so you can find me on SoundCloud, uh, The Safety Doc, or David Proden, and you'll find the podcast, they do have the unlimited version, so you can go in and download, listen at your leisure. Um, so in any given week, uh, YouTube is, uh, of course, a 405 Media is where most people listen to the safety doc. And then second would be on YouTube. Seems a number of people do like to see this in-person side of the safety doc. And, and then third would be uh, people on, on going to SoundCloud to listen. So, but uh, steadily, we're steadily growing and finding an audience. Um, a little bit more, you know, about me, I, I do have some books that I'm authoring right now for Roman and Littlefield, specific to school safety, but then just specific to safety in general, which are going to be coming out. And not all the books have to do with safety. So once I get into some of the, the books down the road, they're going to um, have to do more with introspection, um, agency and purpose, which we're going to talk about, about today. So again, thank you to the... Uh, 405 Media for making making the show possible on, on a large scale. Um, some anecdotes. So we had another winter snowstorm and below zero temperatures here in southern Wisconsin. Uh, the irony is last Sunday it was minus 5 for a high. And this Sunday it's going to be about 45 with an inch of rain or more expected. So incredible swing. We have a sledding hill in our backyard. So my daughters uh, like to go out on the sledding hill, and I, I like it too. And I, I told them we were out there today, I said, we better spend our time on the sledding hill because it's going to be the mud hill in about 48 hours after that inch of rain hits. Uh, but uh, just just some wild weather, and right now we've got some heavy snow going on outside. So, um, I, so you know, I'm thinking about snowstorm and below zero temperatures, and I, when I was growing up, you know, so we're talking maybe like 10 years old. So playing middle school basketball, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. One of the things I, I would do is, is go outside 
every almost every day in winter. My friends would stop over, and we would play basketball in my driveway. You know, shovel it off, and that was up in more like central northern Wisconsin. So you never got all the snow off. Like if the car backed out once, I mean that became ice and. So you're, you're playing on the slippery surface and probably playing in boots. But I'll, I'll never forget my parents let me draw, not draw, paint with red paint, a three-point line on the, the driveway. And we had a two-car garage and a basketball loop over here. And, um, but they, they let me actually paint this three-point line, which like I would probably never let my, my kids do it because once it's on there, it's on there. To this day... That three-point line is still on there. I'll, I'll go up into my hometown um, and have my, I still have my taxes figured out, but the same guy who's figured them out forever. Um, and he, uh, when I'm up there, I'll drive past, uh, kind of do a little bit of tour, you know, it's a small town. And I go past the house I grew up in, um, and my parents don't live there anymore, but uh, that three-point line is still out there. And actually the backboard I took and I had uh, letters put on it, and it was the Mecca. So some of you might remember that. The Mecca is where the Milwaukee Bucks played before they moved into the Bradley Center in 1988. And just think of a year, they're moving into another arena, so the Bradley Center would be torn down. But that was, uh, you know, I had the Mecca, so that was, I pretended, you know, that's, that's what my driveway was like. Nothing like the Mecca, by the way. Um, but I just remember going out there and, and, Ice patches packed down snow, and you're you play, and you'd have you'd have gloves on, or if you go, you know, with bare fingers, it, they'd be white. But you just you, you just played, and you had fun, and you'd be slipping around, and and you know the ball, you know you could keep the the ball would bounce for a little while if you took it from inside, still warm, and then it would eventually like cool down, and, and you know you'd really have to slam it down to get it to come back up, but. Uh, uh, there, there's something from a youth standpoint of a connection with the elements and nature and character that that is forged when you do something like that. Um, and not that that's any heroic act. And it's, you know, I had a number of friends that, that they lived on farms, so they would go out and they'd be doing chores, you know, year round. And but uh, you know, it, it was, and we had video games, but you do some video games, but seemed like we liked going out and playing basketball and, and sandlot ball and things like that. But again, uh, t today makes me think of, um, you know, one of those days when, when we would be out kind of shoveling, playing a little basketball, shovel again, play a little basketball. And um, it never seemed to grow old. Like we would just stay out there and, and just play forever. Um, my, my dad was a school principal uh, for, I believe, 35 years. And so when I was growing up, the way that school get called off is the principal or superintendent or designee, but I think it was my, my dad's job, a small district, would, would then um, receive word from the superintendent, yes, in the bus grad, school's going to be called off tomorrow. Uh, then he would go through and he'd have codes, he would call into the radio stations. And the thing was that, you know, this was before the internet and before cell phones and stuff like that, so I would know that school was called off before anybody, any of my friends. So I'd be able to get on the phone, and uh, it was an, the old rotary phone back then. I mean, the safety dock's not that old, but it was a rotary phone. And I'd call my friends and be like, John, John, there's no school tomorrow. Of course, they knew if I was telling them there wasn't any school, there wasn't any school. So immediately, you know, 
you could stay up later and, and things like that. So that was a pretty coveted to be getting that call from me, you know, at eight at night or whatever, saying, nope, they're gonna they're gonna call it. It's gonna be on the news later. Um, so uh, I have done some upgrades. I talked about the uh, the Logitech camera. I got Camtasia nine, which is made by TechSmith and so far, either I'm not using the software correctly, or it's 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 just not impressive. Um, I thought I'd be able to do a lot more with it, and Camtasia actually came out with a release after I bought the the version nine um, a few weeks ago. They came out like a week ago, and here's some additional uh, audio and whatever, and it was like eight additional tracks and a couple other backgrounds, and it just it it just seemed like there should have been more. Um, and I like it because I can record the screen, it's fairly easy, and I'm not into using the higher-end program, so I guess in that regard. But one thing I found is it will save in an MP4 format, which I might have talked about before, if you save audio only. And it doesn't save to MP3, so I have to go and wrangle around to get the MP3, because the MP3 is what's needed for um, the 405 media, for that all to work. So. Uh, just it's strange that they would eliminate that feature and again I, I you know I thought I'd be able to make more cinematic type entrances and things like that and, and yeah really there's there's not I wouldn't recommend probably the upgrade from 8 if you're going from 8 to 9 but um, and again I, I like my 920 my camera once I get that set up and and get the system um, it does go more because it's a 1080 full widescreen but the thing is, in Camtasia, I can render that, crop that down, um, and make that all work. Um, but again, I have the 910, not a big difference, probably, between the two cameras. And, you know, the 920 may be a, a little bit clearer, which is good when I have over there in the background my sponsors and things like that. Um, and again, what I've done on the Yeti has been very limited, but it sounded really, really good. So I'm looking forward to using my Yeti. I also have a um, special light that is aimed at me right here, a special LED light, uh, which will then also be moved once I start doing the regular setup again, and it'll, it'll give them a little more light on me so I don't have some shadows. Um, so we're really getting high tech here, huh? So, and then I downloaded Audacity because I know other podcasters using Audacity, the free program, and uh, record it on that. And that's a will be a learning curve because it's new to me, but it looks like that's going to work out pretty well. So, let me get into today's uh, our discussion. It's agency and purpose, and how those constructs inform personal safety. Again, agency and purpose. So it's a little more abstract today, but I was thinking about saving this until I got the whole system up and running, and we really could have the great audio and the great intro, and I could make sure everything was cut exactly to. 60 minutes, but I think it's relevant, you know, just for this time of year to have this show um, recorded. So I'm going ahead. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's it's not going to have kind of all of the the refinements uh, from the editing side that I wanted it to have. But I think content-wise, we'll be fine. So, um, what is agency? So th these are parts that seem to get lost when we talk about safety. And that's the you know people having agency and purpose and, and how they impact safety. And again, I'm I'm going to talk about that. So agency is feeling in control of oneself and being able to express 
one's power. So again, feeling in control of yourself is having agency. Uh, feeling needed or wanted can create a sense of power and control. Uh, you can have external agency. We see that a lot. It's common in Western civilization. Um, how you're you're validated. You know, people, for example, uh, you know, if you have a Facebook page and you have to check it all the time to see how many likes that you have and things like that. Uh, you know, and posting like this is the best macaroni I've ever had, and, and waiting for someone to make a post. You know, you've really become externally validated, where your agency then becomes external. You're you're being defined externally, um, and also, you know, like you know, some people view pay as being external uh, agency. So, you know, if I make three hundred thousand dollars a year, then you know that that puts me at at this, then I'm, I'm considered, you know, to be uh, in, in the top 1% of the 1% or whatever. It's like, well, oh, I mean, it was true, I guess, but if that's one metric of how to measure your yourself. Um, but agency, I think it's very, it's very you, you very much need to be aware of agency in that. Are you externally, um, I guess, motivated or validated or internally or what's your combination? I think all of us, of course, have some external part where we receive our agency, you know, how others perceive us, um, you know, friendships, things like that. But it can really go to some extremes where you can, can kind of lose yourself into becoming so absorbed into, um, into organizations and, and, and things like that. You know, it's like a... Um, you know, some uh, a, a parent, for example, that shows up at their kid's, um, you know, soccer game and they're just, you know, screaming, you know, get over there and, you know, block that kid and, and do this and do that and whatever. It's like, whoa, that's, you're getting a lot of your agency, you know, through your child just, you know, who's young and, and trying to learn the game and have fun right now. Um, so we... So you know, we're in this extrinsic culture, and especially this time of year, when, I mean, honestly, for Christmas, what do I want? I, I'm not, I, I want a functioning computer. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what the safety doc wants. But I, I laugh at these commercials where, you know, the kid whispers in Santa's ear or whatever, and, and all of a sudden the next day you know, there's a $100,000 Lexus with a bow on top out in the driveway. I'm like, well, first of all, I wouldn't want it, you know, and uh, I think those things are so ridiculous. But I, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm content, you know. So extrinsically, there's not a lot of things that you could put out there, and, and, you know, I would appreciate, you know, if somebody gets a new truck or something like that, be like, yeah, hey, you know, that's cool or whatever. But it's not like I come home and would say, well, I want that too. Um, so I think recognizing those things, and then. You know, we calibrate to this new norm. Think of just all of the commercials and kind of like, you know, this is what defines a happy person, or they call it the Facebook fallacy of, you know, all the pictures that people will pick to put on Facebook and the things they'll describe, yet all the things that they don't share, and then, um, you know, how social media, Pinterest, um, can, you know, research has shown can reveal tons about, you know, a person and the life that they want to, they aspire to have, um, that they don't have, and they aspire to have a life that, that may completely be fictional, that it's, it's pieces of other people's lives that, that they wish that they had. Um, 
instead of appreciating the life that they, they have. So um, social order is important, you know, in, in agency. And, you know, I, I, the older I get, you know, I respect people. Um, I, one of the things is I, I work, um, or I volunteer at Cooper Hall, which is a free lunch put on by, um, by the church. And some of the, the people who have done that forever, uh, I, I just have so much respect for them. Um, you know, yet, you know, they're not pulling up in, in expensive vehicles and they're not wearing fancy clothes or whatever, but they're, they're genuine, they're devoted to, uh, helping others, you know, just being subtle servant leaders and, and just good people. Um, and to me in, in social order, I'm looking and saying, boy, I mean, those are the people I want to aspire to be more like, um, you know, versus, um, again, you know, watching the, the TV commercial and, and somebody, you know, getting behind the wheel of their $100,000, you know, vehicle. Um, not as important to me for agency, but for some people that, that is their agency. So Aristotle's debate theory, you know, knowing another's position, you need to know another's position in order to um, be able to persuade that, that person. I think, I think there's a very important component in that, and we just don't take the time to understand somebody else's position. So when we talk about agency, we think we know who we are, who we want to be, and we're going to defend that no matter what. And if someone comes in with a different opinion or a different position or a different belief, the task used to be to understand that and then try to have a discussion of if, if you want it to hold strong to, no, I don't, my belief is different than that. Um, or if you want to adopt parts of their, you know, belief or, you know, you could say, here's my, you know, here's this person's position. Uh, here's why, you know, they, they state these things. Um, here's where I think there's weaknesses and, but we don't have those. We, we get into this agency thing where it's like, I am right no matter what, and I'm just going to get the snowplow and push my opinion and my beliefs over top. And they, and, and there's no room for anything else. So I think when we talk about, um, when we're very externally, um, you know, driven for agency, like we depend, others are dependent upon us, um, and, and we're waiting for those those Facebook likes and things like that. I'm not on Facebook, by the way, but um, used to be, but not not for a long time. But uh, I think then you get get centric, where it becomes a real threat if any positions exist that don't align to yours. Um, instead of trying to understand those other positions, we, we get that snowplow on the front and try to, to run them over. Um, so, you know, we seek to be controlling and ultimately, I think we overestimate the control of our abilities. And that's where things, you know, really start to go well for you. You're ascending in your career and you, you think you have control over so many things, yet a company can get bought out. Um, you know, you can be out of a job. There can be uh, an accident. You can have a health event. Um, that's something that uh, is, is just so real for so many people where you know, like Christopher Reeve, for example, you know, thinking of everything 
um, you know, going on in his life, and then all of a sudden that horseback riding accident, and then paralyzed, you know, for life. So, in in saying that, you know, I think if something like that happens, and you're very externally, that's where you're seeking your agency. It's going to be a real struggle for you. Um, we hear about this phenomena where. Uh, people retire, or Buzz Aldrin. So there was a, a piece uh, written about Buzz Aldrin, who was one of the astronauts, early ast astronauts, um, on the moon. And he really had a hard time adjusting once he came back to Earth, as far as, like, you know, with peers and at conversations, because it was such a small group of people who really could relate to what he was, was saying, and there was jealousy that he got to go. And... Um, but it really got to the point where he was, like, in his apartment, he was ordering out for Kentucky Fried Chicken, and, and you wouldn't think this at all, um, but it was that sense of, of agency uh, of, of who he was, was was really hard because it was hard for him to express that because, um, you know, jealousy factor, people that didn't get to go to the moon would challenge it. He had few people he could really talk to about it. Um, you know, and once you weren't that astronaut anymore, once you weren't going back into space, it got really hard to, to deal with that. Then, you know, like, well, who am I? Who's this next phase? Happens all the time with sports, professional athletes. You read about this or hear these stories of, of professional athletes and, um, you know, one, one day it just, it just ends. And I, I watched an interview with uh, Don Mikowski, who was the Packers quarterback, before Brett Favre. So Don Mikowski was injured in a game. Brett Favre came in and that was the, the end of Don Mikowski with the Packers and he played for a few other teams. But, you know, he was really on, he was, he, he had helped elevate the Packers to their first winning season in, in years. I think they were 10 and 6 in 89. And, and, uh, and they interviewed him just a few years ago. And I'm watching this interview and I can definitely sense the frustration still within him still within him about, um, you know, that his agency was, was just the rug was pulled out from under him when he got injured and, and was no longer the quarterback. I mean, he had only seen himself as, I'm not, I don't want to speak for him, but I'm, I guess he had seen himself as doing so many things with the team and, you know, hopefully taking him to a Super Bowl and, and everything had been kind of going his way. And then to not have that opportunity and then eventually, you know, you get to be so old and it's a reality of, I'm not going to come back and be the quarterback for the Packers. Um, and so it's not an anger at Brett Favre or anything. It's just, it's just, it's more of a realization, I think, of fate. And if you watch it very carefully, um, and, and he does a nice job uh, during, during the interview, but you can tell how he subtly is reminding people of, you know, make sure your agency no matter what whirlwind you get caught up in, um, that your agency has some internal, strong internal grounding to it because it's external that validates you. This whole organization, the Green Bay Packers and the NFL and millions of fans, uh, you know, that can be, that can be gone um, in an instant. And then if you're tied so tightly to that and so defined by that, um, it, it, it's really hard to find where the next, next steps forward are. Um, so true agency is really from within and uh, it's it can be when it's 
it can be things like walking through nature, uh, serving others, interacting, community meal, watching others succeed at their goals. I, I typically either run at night or I walk at night, depends on the weather. Um, but I would go out, um, so my, you know, my time outside and reconnecting with, with nature and just, the world is incredible all times, but he, like I, like when I'm outside, there's never a bad night. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's raining, I'll still be out if it rains. If it's severe weather, I won't be, but there's something really cool about watching the rain on a, a paved road because you find out the road is, is up, you know, heaved a little bit in the center so the, the rain doesn't pool, it goes to both sides. And under a street light that has a really neat look to it. Um, and in winter, it can be, you know, 10 degrees and, and you know, windy. And to, to watch, you, like, swirling wind uh, pick up light snow and, and take it and swirl it across the field. And then it finally gets to you and it just kind of swirls around you and keeps going. And then uh, the stars um, on a crisp night or a harvest moon. Uh, just so many incredible things that can help you. Um, to 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 reestablish, I think that internal agency of of you know who who you are, and, and you start asking yourself questions. That's one of the things that I I did. So it's probably about three years ago. I went out and started to either walk or run like every night, and I was I weighed a lot. I don't know two two between two forty two fifty, and it was not muscular weight. I mean it was. Um, you know, fast food type, inactivity type weight, um, and yeah, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a good place, I mean, and back then too, you know, being externally, you know, motivated through different, you know, job promotions, and I still do uh, a lot with, you know, my university work and things like that, but I was really, um, I presented on, on TV in, let me see, would have been May of 2013, May 22nd, 2013. And it was following um, Sandy Hook, which had happened the December prior. And I'll never forget uh, watching myself on TV. And I, and to this day, the broadcast is still out there. It, it, it was a solid broadcast. I put a lot into it. And I, I did it. Um, I wouldn't say for external motivation. I did it because I wanted empirical evidence, empirical presentation to be out there about what, what school safety, what the stats really showed because there was so much hype at that time and I think so many people um, you know, really overly um, terrified by the, by the rhetoric. So I wanted to bring some, some rational voice to that discussion. Um, but I remember watching that video and looking and, and I just thought my face was kind of larger, bloated I guess. I, I just didn't look healthy. I had 46 or 48 sport I looked tough. I looked like a I, like I was playing in the NFL or something but I didn't look healthy you know and, um, and a year later after being out every night and getting into biking and stuff like that um, finding really the agency of of doing things that, that were going to be healthy for my body and talking with my physician too. I mean, the, the different tests and the metrics and things like that, that, that 
showed the improvement you know, were phenomenal. But um, but I think, yeah, uh, that was a definite point where I looked at that and was saying, you know, my, my agency needs to be first to myself because what I'm portraying right now is someone who just isn't really healthy. Like, when I was watching this video, I'm like, I'm just, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. I just don't look well. Um, so, and so agency structure uh, dependent. So, yeah, if you're caught up, you know, like I talked about these people, uh, like Don Mikowski in the NFL, the NFL is a structure, structure dependent. Um, and, you know, those structures can change at any time. Legislation can change those structures. A reorganization can change those structures. Um, you can, you know, new management, whatever, the structures change. So you function within those structures, but still, like, today I would say I'm loosely coupled to any of those types of structures. And uh, by far, it has given me, I think, a stronger sense of agency than I've ever had. And one of the things, too, is, you know, like, when I go out every night, pretty much, um, I'm always addressing some things. One is, what am I thankful for? I know it sounds kind of corny, like you read this in a book, but this is, this is truly, truly what I do. Um, and most times I'll say it out loud, unless I'm like uh, any, near anyone. I don't want to be the crazy guy who's talking to himself. But today people don't know if you're talking on earbud or phone or whatever. But and then um, you know I'll just always ask whether it, it, you know, I'm Catholic, whether it be the Lord or it, or just for the introspection um, of saying, you know what. I want to be more aware of my surroundings and more aware of other people and, you know, perceive their needs. Because, you know, when someone else is having a really bad day, um, it's easy to, to kind of take that personally. Or else you could ask the question of, they must really be fighting some battle. Something must not be going right for, for them. So I hope things go better for them. Changes the perspective totally. Uh, but yeah, one of the things I just ask is to be more aware. So when I interact with people, even if it's at Walmart in the checkout line, just to be more aware and just to say, you know, have a nice day or, or something like that. Um, I remember my, my dad and I did a trip um, about three years ago and we were at a restaurant and there were, there were ladies, um, elderly ladies playing some card games table kind of near us and I went over and I said to this this one lady um, I said your I don't should some jewelry which matched her blouse and outfit and I said that looks really neat and uh, I, I said you know I've, I've been eating and, and just noticed it's just it's really a it's really cool um, and one of her friends came up as we were paying at the front and said you know that really made her day and, and she said, like, this, she's like 98 years old, something like that, and she still drives here every day or every week for, like, this card club. And, uh, you know, and really my goal wasn't to go over there and to give myself a pat on the back, but it was one of those things where I was just thinking, for agency, I could, I could be the person that goes over and says something to, to her, which is nice and uplifting, or, you know, I could... I could leave here wishing I would have said that, and I'm glad I said that, and because I there was nothing there for me. I mean, um, you know, once I drove away, I wasn't going to see this person again. 
but uh, you know, if that was my grandmother or mother or whatever, I, I'd be happy if someone you know took the time to say, uh, make a kind observation and, and share that. So, um, I, I get a kick. A lot of organizations have uh, mission statements where they have in the mission state in the mission statement. You know, we are an organization that embraces humor and stuff like that. In a lot of those organizations and ones I've been a part of, like that's not accurate at all. Uh, it's words. If you express humor, um, which I think shows internal agency and an internal kind of grounding and confidence, uh, you know, you're, you're looked down on because of that. Or like you're not taking the situation serious enough, you know, of, of what's happening in the whole organization. And, you know, if you can make a, a joke about something, um, you know, and it... it, it Something, you know, completely benign, you know, like a dry erase marker not working or something like that. Um, so, you know, we get into these situations, too, where people get so tied to the narrative of the agency and, and that they really lose then their own, again, personal sense. Or, or they, have to, they, they have to literally, you know, put a put it away while they're at work and make sure it's behind lock and key because if that starts to come out, um, it, it's perceived as, just, you know, you're not taking things serious enough or, or whatever. Um, but yet, you know, <laughs> look at some of these big companies where you know, people could take breaks and you know, table tennis and things like that or they're biking around the campus and stuff like that. You know, is that not taking things serious? No, I think it's just, it's being human. I mean, I think it's just doing things different. but. Um, so, you know, Nick, I'm going to talk about, uh, ironically, I was, I was in the least control of my body when I was seemingly able to exercise the most power onto my environment. So, uh, you know, back when I, I, I said when I, when I weighed 240, 250, my cholesterol was, was high, my blood pressure, you know, things like that. I mean, they, they were all bad, ringing the bells. And, uh, you know, but... It was because that didn't matter to me. I mean, it wasn't important to me, or I didn't allocate the time, the priority to it, to go out and, and to eat, you know, eat more carefully, get out and be fit, um, to weight lift and things like that. It, it was it was more important to do that, you know, spend more time on that special report or to, you know, work on a conference that, that I was part of, you know, putting on or, or things like that, which, which had value, but were just getting way out of balance. Um, because I knew, you know, those things... Uh, you know, you'd get a website and it would have your name, your bio, or you'd be announced at a conference. And, and uh, yet, you know, the, the irony now is, so I have the podcast, which just happened to happen, and I have a book deal, which is incredible. Uh, and it was, I, I, I once told someone, I said, if, I, I'll, I'll just be happy if I don't have to pay to get published. And here, you know, I get a, a really nice publishing contract. Um, so those things started to come to me and, and expert witness opportunities and additional college courses to instruct. And um, just when I started to take better care of, of myself and to really find agency in being healthy and also being aware um, and, and being, being, you know, like literally if, if the 405 media contacted me and John, don't get any ideas on this, uh, and said, you know, we're, we're redoing our format. You're not going to be a part of the, of our schedule anymore. Be like, well, 
it was great while it lasted, you know, that's how I would take that. You know, I'd be glad for the opportunity and, and you know, something else will turn up and, and take it from there. Um, so it's not like I would feel crushed or anything to that effect. So again, I think that's a point of growth and just share that out there of do things. And, and once you show that you're deriving that agency and that awareness, I think people see that in you and they see that confidence and they know that um, you're going to stand strong no matter kind of what those outside circumstances are. And I, I think there's something really appealing to that, especially, you know, like in the podcast or the work that I do in, in expert witness stuff. And um, I've done some of my best college instructing, certainly in the last couple of years, you know, versus um, when I was looking more, you know, I look more to encourage my students to show different ways to demonstrate learning. Back in the earlier days, you know, I was, I was instructing, and I felt I was a very good instructor, so don't get me wrong there, but there was a little bit of a chip on a shoulder of, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a college instructor. Well, you know, now I have a PhD from UW-Madison, and, you know, it, it is in the bio line, but, and I appreciate it, but it, what defines me, you know, would be my experiences, and then, you know, in my classes being able to facilitate and bring out the experiences of other people who have been to other countries and these things, and, like, I do these interviews on the podcast of phenomenal people that all bring this information forward just to kind of help all of us. So, um, so yeah, I, I think you can neglect your, your body when you're chasing these, I don't know if they're, they're dreams, because I, I think sometimes they, you can just chase a bag of snacks, you know, and, and not think of, you know, whatever, or sit all night watching movies or, or things like that, and make that a habit. Instead of again, you know, the the value of spending time in in nature and connecting with others, um, you know, like my, the time I spend with Cooper Hall is is in, invaluable. The people that I've got to to know, uh, the people, you know, that you learn about, and it's it's so interesting um, to hear. Uh, their stories and just what they want to share and, and people bringing up literally bringing up black and white photos of their kids or their you know their you know sibling excuse me siblings or spouses photos that they've had for 40 50 years and want to want to share that that story with you um and just that that connection of being it's so much more important for me to spend those hours um, talking, just sitting down and letting talking or letting people talk and you're listening, having that exchange. Um, you know, then if I was to, you know, again, you know, spend spend time watching uh, a movie or something like that, I can, I can still do those and I like doing those. But uh, it, it's just, it's so, you can definitely tell that's where agency is, is built when you become that servant leader. Um, you know the old saying, if you have your health, you have everything. Really, really true. I mean, really, really a true thing. So, I also, here's where the safety part comes in. Um, and maybe we might have to we put purpose as a second podcast. We only talk about agency during this one. I think we're going to run out of time. Part, again, working with a different type of setup here. But, um, so, when I'm, I, I think that when you're neglecting your 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 body, like I said, when 
when I was, you know, 240 pounds or whatever. You, you get to this point where you, can, you have health problems, your happiness, you know, declines or your happiness becomes very externally created. And uh, it, it presents a substantial risk to your safety prowess. So I want to put that out there. So if you're a school administrator, for example, or, or just, let's say, just talking to you, you know, um, it blunts your ability to identify the flux as you see the reality that you believe you are fully creating or sufficiently manipulating. Think about that. I, I wrote that. So, you know, you, you think you're in control of everything. You know, we have, we, we get to this point, you know, where I think all of us feel that, hey, we have life by the tail or we have certain things that we're totally in control of. And really, that's not the case at all. Um, you know, we're, we're not in control nearly at, with it, for as much as what we think we are. Um, but when you think you are so in control of a situation, uh, I think it's easy to let your guard down, for one. And the other part is you aren't as aware of the variables in your environment because you figure it doesn't matter if these things are, are changing. You know, it's like if I'm, if I'm working out and I'm strong um, and you know, then I have that feedback of who I am. But if I'm, if I'm not doing that, I really don't realize my prowess. Uh, I would walk, well, the education building, UW-Madison is up on Baskin Hill, so you got to walk up a hill. I'd walk up this hill, and it was like halfway up the hill. And I would be, I'd be winded by the time I, this is like four or five years ago, I'd be winded by the time I got up there at my backpack. And I just thought that was normal. I'm like, oh, this, you know, this is my age and up here. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't realize until I got fit that I could, boom, walk. I could walk it, jog it, run it, didn't matter. I was fine. Could talk just like now. I wasn't out of breath. Um, but I didn't realize how much my body had just kind of degraded. But yet, again, powerful, you know, position. Uh, Career-wise was it. And, and just thinking, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I have to go to a bigger size sport coat. But, you know, what, what else? Doesn't matter. Just grab this, this soda or... Or whatever it could be, um, so I think I think you lose that, and I think in an organization you're less likely to tune into all of the little variables that you tuned into as you improved yourself. Uh, meaning, uh, an example would be you know getting reprioritizing, getting out of your office and meeting individually with with your staff and listening to what they have to say, not only about like what is specifically going on in their work capacity, but you know if they if they have something else that they you know are sharing like you know like they're going on they're they're taking their bike out for like a bike trip or something like that that they can there was there was one one uh, teacher who was a history buff and he was a reenactor so he used to you know we we would talk um, shop a little bit about um, some of the, the teaching stuff, but then I'd, I'd always encourage him, you know, for, you know, three, four minutes to talk about his latest reenactment stuff, and, and he loved, you know, branching off and talking about that. And I think that was good because it built this connection, built this agency. But after a while, you know, I got, I was losing those variables because I was spending more and more time behind my desk responding to 100 plus email and voicemails and then trying to create this image, you know, feeding into what this image of the organization as I perceived it was, um, you know, of, of needing to do all this additional professional development and, and then, you know, it's pretty soon you're not making those trips. 
out. And when you do meet with people, you're meeting about because of this, this, and this. And, you know, it, it gets to, it, you really can be isolated pretty quickly to those narrow extrinsic um, factors which define your agency. So your agency is it's you behind that desk and that, that power that's inherent to that position versus the agency of being out and being real um, and being, you know, talking to people about what's going on in their lives. And um, So, you know, when I when I walk at night, I also ask for the Zen-like awareness. I'm going to talk about this as I wrap up here. Um, and I'm going to change it from walking to biking. One of the things, uh, I, I owned a really nice bike, still own it, although I had a pretty big wipeout this, this summer. Um, it's for another podcast. But um, So I'm, I would consider like a, a long bike ride, maybe like three to five miles. If I could do that, that was great. And now I'm biking, you know, 75 plus miles, easy, easy. Like the only thing that limits me is, you know, just probably the amount of time, you know, during a day I have to, to do a trek because I'm, I'm not going to go somewhere probably and stay overnight. But, um, but what I would do, it, it, and so all of a sudden I realized biking three to six miles with like a higher end bike, that's really not an accomplishment if me. <laughs> Biking 75 miles and, and feeling fit and enjoying that time and, and having your 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 body uh, just respond so positively to absorbing the sun and vitamin D and and I would take paved I map out paved roads through the country um, but I would uh, I would do a Zen like approach so I would bike and once I was was out for about 15 20 minutes and. Um, and I, I, my bike, I have a nice bike, um, but I bike, it's like a pack mule. Like I have a lot of bags on it because I throw in a ton of water, <laughs> beef jerky, you know, the things you need when you're out biking. Um, so, you know, extra pump, things like that. It's okay because I'm like, the he if it's heavier, that's fine. I'm not racing with it. If it's heavier, it's building muscles the way I see it. I kind of like it that way. I know it's not like the Ghostbuster bike I described in my one of my earlier podcasts. It's actually a really nice, nice bike. But um, I'll do the Zen thing where I will I will bike and for you know five or ten minutes all I will think about and I, I have a little thing you know that tells you the time and stuff like that and how many miles you're travel stuff like that. But um, but I will just think you know for five or ten minutes or five or ten miles or however I, I do it. Um, what do I hear? That's all I'll focus on. And then, you know, what, what do I feel? Like, can I identify exactly where the sun is by, like, the heat on my shoulders? Or, you know, how do I feel as I'm pushing down my feet on the pedals? Or do I feel a little bit of burn in my calves at this point? Or, you know, am I feeling, like, really, you know, like, super energized? Uh, you know, what do you, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? What are you thinking? What do you smell? Um, you can smell, you know, that someone has cut hay fairly recently. Even, you know, if it's kind of dusty, that has its own kind of smell. But just going so ingrained in that period of time for awareness, awareness around your settings, which, again, I think helps recalibrate, helps to get you more aware of safety of what's going on around you, what is going on around you. And that's a great activity 
to do that. Because I think, again, we blunt that. We turn those things off when we get so caught up in ourselves and our everyday um, you know, life of if we make it from point A to point B, you know, that's what we're, we've considered that an accomplishment. But we really, we don't, along the way, we don't realize, uh, you know, all of, all of the other things that are going on. You know, like I could have biked that five years ago, hypothetically, if I would have been in shape and, and I wouldn't have tuned into, you know, the, the crickets or watching the waves come across the, the green fields. Um, or even there's a railroad track at one part that, that's about a mile away and you can start to feel actually the rumbling of the, the train just a little bit, like if you pay attention, as it starts to work its way up um, before it starts, you know, honking the horn. So it's, it's those types of things, just, just absolutely amazing. But we talk about agency, and I think when you do those, you become more aware of yourself and more aware of your environment. And those are two things which help you identify then changes from baseline in yourself, changes in baseline in your environment, which are the first indicators that, hey, something at risk here, safety risk might be brewing. Um, it's when we, again, we, we get so lost in um, just these, these, these big accomplishments or, you know, again, you, you get buried behind that desk at, at an office or something like that, come home, you know, throw on TV and, and whatever, that you lose that. Or you, or you just get used to the fact of, hey, I guess walking up to Bascom Hill is, is really quite a feat because I can barely make it. I catch my breath. So, um, I am, I don't, as far as like Zen, no, I don't sit in front of the fireplace cross like it. Don't know if I could even do that, chanting, doing things like that. It's just this awareness. It's awareness that it could be good for, again, for all of us to do. Um, what I'm talking about really goes well with Carl Weick's sense-making theory, which again, I'll talk about it another time. I do have a presentation I'd like to do about distributed leadership and sense-making. I'm going to make an argument that actually distributed leadership in a lot of organizations, uh, especially in schools specifically, is kind of dead. Like it doesn't e exist anymore. People say it exists, but I'm going to tell you reasons why I believe it doesn't exist anymore and why we need to be so in tune to sense making. So, everybody, that's it. I am wrapping this up right now. Um, and we should be close to, if not at, 60 minutes. So again, I'm not sure how this is all going to fully edit out. I do have one hour um, spot on the podcast. I hopefully will have all of the computer stuff uh, up and we should be better than ever here in a couple podcasts. I'm wishing you happy holidays. Take care of yourself. Prioritize. Realize what's important in life. Take time to do that. Take time to, to read a book. Get out in nature. Get out and walk. If you're in a warmer area, get out and, and bike. Just be outside. Just be outside in the sun. Sit by a river. Sit, uh, sit, you know, just sit on a, on a bench. Take life in. So, again, I'm wishing you and yours a happy holiday season. Here from the Safety Doc on the 405 Media. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. 
Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD.